This is the Energizing India podcast. On our program, we have the opportunity or perhaps the word is providence to speak with some of the major protagonists and decision makers in the electric mobility sector in India. More than ever, we have enjoyed speaking with the senior team at MG who often bring an unfiltered and a refreshing viewpoint on clean mobility. Today, we welcome back to our program Gaurav Gupta, Chief Commercial Officer of MG. His team recently commissioned a very interesting study through Nielsen and Times Group in India exploring driver behavior and road use challenges as a run up to the launch of their latest EV, the MG Common. Our host Ravan spoke with Gaurav this week where the conversation covered the findings of the Nielsen study and some teasers on the new comet soon to be launched. Gaurav Gupta, Chief Commercial Officer, MG Motor India. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Raven. Gaurav, you need no introduction. You've been on our program before. We had you two years ago when we drove in the brand new then MG ZS EV from Gurgaon to New Delhi. A very informative um, talk that we had together. And welcome back on this program today when we're going to talk about uh, a launch of your new electric vehicle and many other findings um, that MG has had in the two years here since. Um, to start the show then, uh, Gaurav, I'm interested. It's been two years since we met. Uh, a lot has changed in the world. Perhaps a lot has changed for MG in India. What has happened in the last 24 months for you? Well, interesting, uh, Ray, when you asked me the question. Uh, uh, as a company, we've been able to bring in a lot of new products in the marketplace, uh, both uh, uh, in terms of technology level has been heightened up with the MG Aster, which is the first car with AI inside. Uh, we also have been able to expand the footprint of the ZSEV. Uh, we have now, uh, the ZSEV in India has clocked more than 10 crores kilometers. And I'm saying the definition of crores is easy for us in India to understand that. And by way of doing it, we've got more than 1.5 crores of CO2 saving as well. So it's, it's a proven vehicle on the roads of India. Uh, that has given us a lot of confidence in expanding the EV portfolio and, and stay tuned. We are going to be bringing in MG Comet, our uh, soon to uh, come vehicle in the marketplace. Uh, additionally, we've been able to collaborate and partner with a lot of ecosystem partners for the, for the electric vehicle uh, industry uh, with partnerships with BPCL, uh, also with GOBP to put up public charging infrastructure. We have partnered on battery recycling as well with Aterobi. In fact, we have been the first one to recycle an electric car lithium-ion battery in India, uh, right with a partner Atero uh, close to uh, Delhi in a place called uh, Roorkee. In addition to that, uh, we've just recently launched the, the all-new next-gen MG Hector, which has been our flagship model, uh, which has kept us busy as well. And... Um, we're looking forward to some good uh, momentum in the car as well this year. We have been plagued with a lot of shortages over the last two years, specifically for our brand in terms of chips and semiconductors. Uh, a large part of that is behind us now, but uh, hopefully we don't have to face the situation again. So the momentum is good as we speak. Uh, we've uh, on the product side, on the ecosystem side as a company. I would be missing out if I don't talk about the, the core pillars of diversity in our, in our organization, and we are targeting to hit a 50% diversity target by the end of this calendar year. To wrap it up, 
we started the year 2019 when we did half year of business with just close to about uh, 18000 cars we clocked last year close to 50000 cars in a year of covid and and i think that momentum has kept us uh, charged up and are looking forward to a good year in 2023 excellent you talked about the launch of the the comet um, gaurav and uh, rajiv chaba the ceo of mg motor when he was featured on the energizing india podcast i think it might have been 9 or 10 months ago teased the concept of a second car that's going to take on the Tata Bastion of sub 10 lakhs which i expect is going to be the comet and we'll talk about that in a second but before that um the MG ZSEV is a popular car uh, has had no problems on the road in india people love it the community talks so widely about it how many are on the road now in india yes interestingly uh, last year we sold close to about 40 to 50000 cars overall as mg in india and close to almost 10% of that you would say about 9% 4500 zsevs were sold in last calendar year uh that would be a good number to look at that we are almost on the on the border of our double digit percentage of our uh annual sales but of course cumulatively when you look at from 2019 to 2022 the three and a half calendar years put together you know that would be about 140000 mgs on the roads of india but then it would not be fair to look at zsevs which were sold because one the car came in in 2020 just at the start of covid we of course had a supply situation of the battery and also the build up in the in the country but as we speak we are very bullish on the year 2023 uh and before i talk about mg let me just give some industry statistics to you last year passenger vehicle industry in india closed at about 3.8 million units and the auto and the, uh, the in the passenger vehicle industry the electric vehicle passengers were close to about 47000 odd units so 48000 units we are expecting that this calendar year this will almost go up to 4 to 4 and a half times bordering somewhere between 150 to 200000 cars so that is the kind of quantum you know aggressive growth that this industry will be seeing and i think uh, it's going to bring a smile to everyone because with more evs on the road you're going to see a cleaner environment as well but it also gives an entire boost to the entire sector of ev growth why would this happen uh, one you you expect more choices to the consumer which so far has been limited second we also including zsev we expect to have you know being able to supply more in terms of uh, batteries and that will be very helpful so at mg we are looking that we closed last year close to let's say 9 to 10% of our sales was ev 23 calendar year with the zsev and our new mg comet we would expect that we should be close to 20 to 25% of our sales uh would be electric vehicles that's the kind of uh number i would like to to share with you raven so i i'm going to extrapolate from the numbers that you talked about gorav you said about 4500 uh mgz scvs a year you've been operating for two years so you know that takes us to somewhere just under 10000 correct uh, you know mgz scvs on the road you're selling about 40 to 50000 cars a year in total this year expect you know you'll grow maybe 60 80000 and so if you say 20 uh, 20 25% you're talking about actually doubling the number of electric vehicles you're selling per year on the road so that's that's incredibly exciting um the number i took away um 
from the global extrapolation that you did of the industry uh, was 150 to 200,000 EVs will be sold in India this year. And what's interesting is if you were to take one of the highest EV penetration countries in the world, one of the Scandic countries, that would be about the number they sell a year. So we are going to be selling in India electric cars, which are equivalent to a country in Europe or more uh, with a very high level of electric penetration. Does that worry you? Because uh, you know the charging network has not caught up. Uh, and so everyone's going to be doing this in home charge AC mode, because uh, clearly the highway network has got some way to go in the next 24 months before you know that whole concept of highway range anxiety or distress disappears. You know, a global study also tells us from the markets where you've got a higher EV penetration that almost 80% to 90% of consumers usage for an EV is sufficient with the home charge. Why is that? Because an average driving ranges between 30 to 45 or 50 kilometers at best for 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 a family and and so per, mean, day, you're about per day per days, day per exactly. day right so with with the range of about let's say let's say the threshold range should be let's say 200 kilometers uh, for an urban commuter going up to four or 500 kilometers depending on the battery size you typically are pretty well settled for a two to three day kind of a, a range in your vehicle in your battery with one slow charge at home yes exactly mm -hmm. so your your home ac fast charger or you know normal 16 ampere socket is pretty good because you're not going to be always juicing out the battery completely and you're not going to be driving 200 kilometers every day so this whole you know awareness or with increased acceptance where the speaking of the current customers will really help people understand this so that's the way we see this uh, that uh, with the home charging infrastructure with the uh, the power sockets available uh, consumers would be able to you know enjoy the electric vehicle as they go along in terms of the highways you talked about and an interesting fact i want to share with you is that we've been we are partnering with and we have partnered with with bpcl and gobp as well to put up you know uh, dc fast chargers on state highways or on the across the roads of the country in fact just about Two weeks ago, uh, we inaugurated 12 DC chargers with BPCL on the Delhi Jalandhar uh, Highway. Uh, we saw that you did it live online. Yes, we, we actually together. did all 12 chargers <clears throat> together on the same day, and it was interesting that you yes. know to give a perspective that you can drive today from Delhi to Jalandhar, and it's almost close to 377 kilometers, so you can say 400 kilometers. 12 chargers on the way, both onwards and return. So highway chargers, actually the usage is very low right now. Actually the numbers are less than three to four percent. So the charging infrastructure, if you ask me, Raven, the growth in DC fast charging network is actually much higher than the population that wants to utilize those services. Utilization. Uh, there are pockets where you have high usage, you know, certain, certain roads are there, but overall I'm very confident that the DC charging on the highways is gonna increase and gonna be more than sufficient as we build along. So coming back to your question, uh, I would say that uh, this whole range about this whole knowledge and awareness about home charging, being able to support you for your daily requirements, uh, the DC charging on the highway structure to be able to provide you that that quick top up when you're going on a commute from A to B on the on an intercity drive. Uh, all this will only add more to the acceptance of EVs in the marketplace. A key factor, maybe we'll talk about it today also, is the cost of ownership of an EV, which really drives a very interesting case fact uh, in the situation where we are seeing uh, rising fuel prices. Uh, and at the same time, <clears throat> we're looking at 
how an electric vehicle which is automatic in transmission adds to convenience of driving. So both within the city, an urban commute solution, and obviously overall, a, a pocket-friendly situation. Did you know that 60% of Indian drivers drive less than 60 kilometers each day? So let's talk about this whole situation with urban commutes and the total cost of ownership. Um, I suspect that as a lead up to the launch of the Comet, you've done a lot of research and you shared a couple of days ago a report that you had done with Nielsen um, that looked at the Urban Happiness Index. And um, I want to just tease out why you did that, what you found and how did that lead to the conclusions for the vehicle that you are now going to launch in the, in the electric mobility sector. Interesting you asked me, Revan. See, uh, we were looking at understanding uh, the consumer need and they're always, you know, what a consumer needs are, are a function of what they undergo in their daily lives and what is their aspiration or desire from, to, to be from where they are, where they want to be. And we did this uh, Urban Mobility Happy Index uh, study with the help of Times Group and Nielsen to understand what do commuters face today when they are in their passenger vehicles in their across uh, I think eight cities which included the NCR region which itself is a collection of a couple of cities and towns themselves about 5,000 respondents put together to, to really get to the fact that what is it that really impacts the urban uh, mobility uh, you know whether it's preference or desire and it has thrown up some very interesting numbers uh, Ravin in fact uh, for example one key factor which has come out is that 70 to 71 percent of people actually either travel alone in a car or at best with one co-passenger. So we, we've got two people at best being in a car at more than 70% of the time. So just imagine the kind of usage of space etc. that we've got just for two persons. There's more numbers to, to be shared with you as we go along. So in that, uh, when I read that uh, report, a uh, couple of things I took away, uh, which I was scratching my head on. They had this um, happiness index measured on positive side and negative side and there were only three cities on the positive side in India and Calcutta and Pune were on the positive side and you know all the big ones, Bangalore, Ahmedabad, Delhi were on the negative side and I, I suspect a lot of that has to do with traffic and the air quality index. Uh, and the other, the other point I took away was uh, almost 70% of India does between 30 to 50 kilometers a day in a car and no more than that. Um, and uh, what I wanted to put to you, uh, Gaurav, because as one of the, you know, one of the trend-setting companies in the in the vehicle uh, manufacturing sector in India, you're probably looking at this. Um, when you bought an ICE vehicle, you bought it for your 100% use, right? Uh, you, you know, you you decided whether you wanted an SUV or, or or a sedan based on how many people I have, how much shopping do I need to do, my weekends away, when do I want to go to uh, Simla or Dehradun, you know, and, and everything came into the into the purchasing. Uh, you know, um, uh, success factor, so to speak. Yet when you buy an EV, in fact, you you need to buy only for your 60% use case because almost 95% of the use is that, isn't it? It's uh, it's go to work, come back, and maybe go to shopping and come back, right? Um, and 40% use case, which is go away to Simla, go to Dehradun, go to Leh, can be covered by other um, substitutes such as renting a vehicle from Avis or uh, cars on rent or, or whoever else is available. And the, the reality is in India, that ecosystem does not exist. Uh, and therefore, people are forced, even when they're buying an EV, to make an ICE kind of decision. Um, is that something that you're looking at, your your marketing team is grappling with, and you're going to address 
through all the other good work that you've done in ecosystem development, this is probably one of the one of the areas that will need your your uh, minute focus you know, uh, over the next you know, coming years. As the infrastructure of charging increases and grows rapidly, and the battery capacity of the cars also gives you a higher range. For example, the ZSEV now gives you a 461 kilometer on a single full charge. You know, you would find that people actually can use this vehicle for from from an everyday perspective to the long distances also to cover, you would be, to cover the to yeah. cover in fact i would say 100% as well but having said so uh, the interesting point should also be to make the question is do you want to buy a car for that 10% of the time that you will be going for long distances for example or you will rather be you know more sorted in your choices and use a vehicle which really supports you for 70 to 80% of your requirements on a daily purpose and keep that for the exclusiveness that you want to go out. So the EVs can provide you both the flexibility and depending on the size, form, capacity of the battery, you could say I'm looking at it for 100% or 80% or 70% of my usage. So it becomes a much more, you could say a much more wiser choice where you have to evaluate both the options. So tell us exactly how the, the Comet will actually address these issues of range, uh, parking, you know, what, how did you arrive at that vehicle and what does that vehicle do? So, so, you know, uh, a bit early to talk about the vehicle right now, uh, Ravid, we haven't yet uh, unveiled or, or launched the car in India. But if I look at uh, correlating it to the, to the survey that we did with Times and Nielsen, you are looking at a couple of factors. One, you're looking at an environment factor, therefore it's an electric. You're looking at convenience and comfort, it's an automatic. You're looking at, uh, you know, provide, making it a, a form which can be helpful to you for your parking and, and zippiness and an agile vehicle, it will give you that solution also. Uh, we are looking at uh, a decent range which can support your daily requirements. Uh, we are looking at pricing it between 10 to 15 lakh rupees. Uh, so therefore you get a package of which supports you completely, you know, in terms of uh, automatic, in terms of electric, in terms of uh, connected, obviously. Uh, easy to maintain, cost of ownership always is going to be low for electric, uh, running costs will be always be lower. So all this package together really helps to address these uh, concerns. And the UMH study that we've done, it kind of supports it. So our, our belief gets actually strengthened with the survey results, which talks about the urban situation or traffic. And mind you, urban doesn't mean only metro. Urban is beyond just the tier one cities. So today when you see, let's say a Jaipur or you see a Nagpur, you have traffic situation there also. True, absolutely right. Um, so, uh, I, I, I'm going to ask you a few questions that kind of address the elephant in the room on this one. Uh, and I'll come at it from two completely different angles. The first one is, um, since we last met over the last 24 months, when there was only three electric vehicles, there was yourself, same the ZSEV, there was a Kona, and the Tata Nexon, you know, Tata Nexon then upgraded to try and get to your kind of range with the Max. And then there's been a plethora of launches and funnily enough a majority of them have been in the top end of town they've been the, the you know the bmw the mercedes-benz the volvo uh, the kia ev6 the hyundai ionic um, there hasn't been a lot in the sub 25 lakh in fact uh, it was only tata with the with the two with the two vehicles that it launched um, and then uh, along comes mg uh, with another vehicle there is there a reason that you chose that is it because of the sparse uh, nature of competitiveness in that sector or was it really around what the Nielsen study showed in terms of the happiness index and and so you're being really driven by addressing what seems to be the requirement of the people rather than a price point. So I think it's more to address what consumers need and we've seen that uh, urban requirement uh, does require 
a vehicle which is able to support what I just mentioned. And the UMHI study actually reinforces our, our selection process. Uh, so to me, it's a factor about providing uh, a, a within grasp or within reach electric vehicle for, 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 our, for our commuters, uh, backed by technology that we really stand for and we think it'll be a winning combination therefore. So the second um, elephant in the room that I want to address, and I, I'm not making a comparison to these, I'm just drawing the, the, the historic parallel. There have been a number of companies that have tried to create an urban mobility vehicle in India. Right? The first one was in the mid 80s with the Dolphin, you know, the fiberglass car that came out of Bangalore. Uh, after that, you have the, the Reva in its first and second after you have the Nano, uh, you know, Bajaj has been trying to launch something, a quadricycle, a bit cute for a while. Um, it's been a very difficult sector in India. You know, Tata is clearly at a price point. You're coming at a lifestyle, urban mobility uh, solution, so to speak. But that's been a that's been a sector fraught with failures. Yet what I get from you is an energy of incredible confidence. Of uh, you really know where you're going with this. So tell us, well, you know, how you're different and and why the confidence. I wish I could show the car to you, uh, Ivan, <laughs> but right now uh, we are not in a state to reveal that because we're going to just wait for a couple of more weeks for that. But we believe that the, the urban owner today, the, the commuter today has really evolved now. And they're able to really look at things in a perspective which makes sense to them. And in the earlier models you mentioned in the past, probably the, the way to look at it is was, was India ready for that, number one. Uh, did we evolve as a country between then and now? The answer is yes. Are the people making choices today for themselves rather than follow a mentality? The answer is yes. You know, people look at differentiation. People look at uh, the younger generation in particular, I would say is very much sorted in the way they make decisions about their life, whether it's a career, whether it's their dressing sense, uh, where they spend time, with whom they spend time, how they spend time. So I think there's a lot of individuality which is coming in now, uh, which really gives the confidence about the selection of, of a, an urban solution for the, for the generation. Uh, so we believe that uh, a smart electric vehicle, which is able to appeal to a, to a wider set of people, address the UMHI uh, study that has been supporting, that is really supporting this entire selection process. Uh, at the same time, uh, the country has also evolved towards electric. So the earlier choices that you had, you know, I think they probably were, they were ahead of time, if you could say that. Uh, now that we are all leading to uh, conversations today in an evening, get-togethers about electric. So conversation drives and eventually leads to commerce. So we believe that an urban solution or a smart electric vehicle, rather I would say, will really be the way that India should be moving forward. And uh, definitely we are very bullish uh, to be able to take this on and uh, move forward with it. Did you know that on Nielsen Happiness Index, drivers in only three Indian cities showed positive happiness index, Kolkata, Pune and Chennai. So one of the problems that we uh, have seen as, a, as an industry, so whether it's yourselves as car makers, ourselves as being in the charging end, um, is India is a highly you know, urban density population, people live in apartment blocks and apartment blocks in India are not professionally managed, they're ma managed by RWAs and getting RWAs to accept um, AC charging points in the car park has proven to be a big issue. And also having curbside charging is another big issue. I mean, in Bombay you need 17% permissions just to get a curbside charger. And I'm sure that would be the same in many cities around India, just because you interface with 
police grade municipality <laughs> just too complicated for india so um yet you're going to be selling 10 to 15000 of these cars and and you know a similar number of your of your other model 30 40000 cars a year that are electric how do you see that um dichotomy now um and the inability in high density complexes to charge and no curbside charging being available and yet that's being the glaring need for the electric vehicle in fact you know we uh, uh, studied this earlier as well and uh, like you know we we have an ng with the zacv we have a six step charging process so the cable comes with the car we put a charger in your house we've got dc chargers in our showrooms and workshops supporting system we've got an intercity system to support charging we also have a charge on the go so there's a mobile van which can charge you if case you are juiced out on while you're driving but we also have taken up a very interesting project which is called ng charge where we are putting up 1000 ac fast chargers in about 1000 days and this actually is about like you talked about uh, you know condominiums and and uh, apartment complexes where our teams work with the rwas and association leaders and actually have been they've been able to install in just about 5 uh, to 6 months more than 200 chargers in residential complexes so it's about how you you know pitch the idea about taking the step towards electric uh, in a condominium uh, for example right here in gurgaon when you see there there are a couple of societies where they have really uh, you know raised their hand and they want the chargers to be installed they've done that uh, lucknow jaipur pune uh, across the country in fact uh, they've been putting up chargers now in various condominiums so i think it's a phase of uh, moving forward uh, the associations do worry about you know should we give individual chargers to everybody or should we put up a, a row of chargers where commuters can come and charge their residents can come and charge their cars it depends about availability of space and also the load in the in the condominium but more importantly you know the the load factor is more a a fear because these chargers now come with a smart load balancer at the back end the grid balancer is there so so you will be able to see more of these coming in the fact is that it takes one to start with a second to follow and that's when the journey starts forward excellent um you talked also about partnering with the uh, dpcl and geo for the fast charging network across uh, north india at the moment you know no it's actually uh, across the country across, we're also working on a corridor in south india uh, we're looking at all the four quadrilaterals uh, north south and east west corridors and the golden quadrilateral as well Uh, so chennai to uh, bangalore as well as on bangalore goa is also work is in progress so pan india actually so uh, on can you talk about how you ended up choosing dpcl and geo so you've got a large public sector organization that's a fuel company and then you've got you know a geo which has got the promise eventually to be one of the dominant players in india in, in ev charging simply because they're part of the reliance world um but yet there are some 43 charge point operators in india some very small some startup some energetic just like mg uh, and some growing fast uh, how did you narrow down to these two uh because they're very they opposite choices in some ways isn't it actually the the reason is uh, you know you're looking at what is required for the for the commuter perspective you know and and both the companies really have their own trajectory in this direction uh bpcl itself you know uh, is moving towards uh, you know newer uh, ways to be able to uh, move forward in fact bpcl uh, during their ipo and their during their the, the navratna was moving towards bharat power uh instead of bharat petroleum you know so there is that entire journey which is moving towards you know more than fossil fuel itself and their plans that we when we shared and we discussed the plans it was quite complementing in their 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 approach to supporting electric vehicles support system 
and, and in the future, other fuels also. Likewise for GOBP, you know, they are committed towards expanding the footprint of electric vehicle charging in the country. Uh, they have their own stations coming up as well. They've got, uh, you know, points across uh, highway strategic points, which are going to be also multiple centers for, you know, convenience, uh, you know, restaurants, etc. Yes. It's going to be like a typical pit stop on a highway. So when we looked at both these companies' operations, our views, in fact, we are we are grateful to them also to be able to accept our partnership because it's a, not about us choosing, but it's also about us being accepted. And, and that's where the two partners came in together uh, and kind of the marriage of the ideas, uh, objectives, and then most importantly, aligning to, aligning to the implementation plans. So I, are all um, automotive OEMs working in cohesion to facilitating a charging network and working with RWAs that you find that you are in effect way ahead of everybody else because this is just your vision and your energy and your passion to be the leading electric vehicle player in India. I would like to believe the latter, uh, Ravin, but I will not be able to comment much about uh, how and what the plans are for the other uh, players in the country. But we uh, want to do our bit in this area and we, want, we see ourselves as, uh, you know, uh, being committed to the area of electric vehicles. So the faster the ecosystem develops, uh, and then secondly, the more choices consumers get with different brands, the momentum of the electric vehicle penetration will increase in the country. And, and then we are, we are keeping our, our numbers to what uh, the government is also targeting, 30% of EVs by 2030 uh, towards the, the net zero uh, direction of the government. So we are hopeful that that should continue. So um, let's tease that subject a little bit more because clearly you're going to have to have many more cars launched if we are to get to that target. Tata is working towards having you know an ICE and an EV uh, you know uh, availability on on all of its vehicles. Mahindra has launched seven new vehicles that will be completely EV. Your parent organization SAIC has an incredible amount of um, uh, electric vehicle offerings. Right there, you know China is one of the world leaders or is the world leader in electrification for mobility. Um, do you have plans for a full range of uh, EVs? Is the Hector going to be an electric platform? Do you have other electric cars coming in 23 or 24? See, I think uh, fundamentally uh, moving to EVs really will help uh, our oil pool deficit to also get under control. At the recent Auto Expo here in, in Noida, you know, we had displayed a range of electric vehicles, pure electric vehicles, uh, plug-in hybrids, and also a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle and all those vehicles were actually production ready cars and not concept cars uh, so yes we are evaluating additional portfolio entries you know to support our existing portfolio in the country uh, and definitely uh, we see that there is a lot of potential to grow in the ev space as we go along so i'm going to put you on the spot here Gaurav. i'm going to ask you what kind of car you drive Oh well, uh, so uh, you know the lucky part is that coming from the home of MG, we have a choice of vehicles to um, to choose from a from a personal perspective. But the ZSEV is, is the vehicle that me and the family both love. Uh, just the driving pleasure, the comfort, the silence on the road, and more importantly, you don't feel guilty of driving that extra bit because every extra kilometer you drive, you actually are you know helping for the air to get cleaner. So on that, you know, from all of the data points that we have at Energizing India, it is our firm belief that people buying their, their cars in 22 and 23 uh, who are making decisions for an ICE, this will be the last cycle when ICE is a natural choice for them and when these cars come up for renewal in two, three, four years times, they will be completely agnostic EV versus ICE. Uh, and in fact, there might be a natural bent based on exactly all that you've just said um, to buy an EV. 
You're right. I think uh, you know uh, today already consumers uh, in certain segments, though not in all segments. I think the penetration will vary by each segment by segment. You know, uh, but definitely in certain segments where you have offerings available for EV, consumers do look at an EV to consider. Uh, they may or may not eventually take it up, but definitely it is increasingly uh, coming in the state in the in the frame of reference for sure. So one thing that the Nielsen Happiness Report uh, Index report didn't cover was the fact that. Um, in India, for the longest time, as in Germany, as in many parts of Northern Europe, the car is actually a status symbol as well. And you make a number of cars that are a status symbol in your in your basket of offerings already in India. And if you look at all the EVs that have been launched in India as well, from the top end of town, from the BMW to the EQS, in fact, Mercedes' first EV is an EQS made in India rather than the EQC. Um, it shows that they clearly believe that uh, the status symbol is going to be a strong driver and so therefore launch at that end of town. Um, so juxtapose that to the Comet. Uh, status symbol versus uh, you know pure convenience uh, of driving uh, um, cost of ownership and parking how do you think that will play out i think uh, <clears throat> evs uh, depending on the company what their portfolio is you know at what price point you're playing you have your own stance towards an ev for us uh, it's not just about status i think it's also about mg is definitely a brand that stands for auto tech uh, we follow the case approach of connected autonomous shared and electric uh, we do see that uh, status is not purely by price point. Uh, we, do, we, do, we do see a trend where your stance as an individual or as a family is about the choices you make. Uh, so it's, again, I'm re reinforcing that. It's not about, you know, um, where you talk about higher price points or very high aspirational levels is what is status. I think increasingly what is happening is that a choice is what you make is what is status and, and what defines you, what your stance is. So to me, more than status, it's about your stance. I think that is what has led us to choose the MG Comet. Um, Gaurav, uh, I'm interested in your breakup of sales between tier one and tier two cities. You touched on tier one, uh, and you know we clearly have this big separation now between tier one and tier two cities. You need to only look outside your window and to look at, you know, Delhi is no longer what Delhi used to be. It's, it's, a, it's an international city with immense uh, infrastructure. Um, how much of MG motor uh, India sales are tier one versus tier two? I think it's we follow the industry pattern, uh, Raven, uh, typically. Uh, so it will be, you know, unfair on my part to really call out tier one and tier two separately. Uh, but and also, how do you define tier one and tier two? You know, uh, depending on the fuel types and the size of the vehicle. So we we would uh, look at it overall as a 50-50 uh, in our numbers, 50% tier one and 50% tier two, because tier two really is actually an amalgamation. If you see, it extends to tier three and tier four also altogether. So, um, Gaurav, I'm going to ask you this question. We asked you this last time in your car as well. It's a question that we ask at the end of every I podcast. I watch out now. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to apologize for the very frivolous nature of this question, but it always brings out a beautiful, clear answer. And so the question is this, Gaurav, if you had the opportunity to be Prime Minister of India for one day, just one day, and could make any decision you want to foster faster implementation of electric mobility in India, today, in 2023, what would that decision be? I think uh, to sustain the policies that we have and not uh, change them, in the midterm, so to give them uh, a stable policy time frame. Stable policy framework. So by that you mean the fame policy or the PLI policy? Uh, all of it. All of it. The, you, the, you've the, got you've the, got state yes. governments providing uh, you know benefits from an arterial registration perspective. You've got the production incentive which is coming in to help the ecosystem come up. You've got the advanced cell chemistry uh, policy to support and development of uh, battery technology within the country. So all this to be sustained and uh, for a defined period of time.
Excellent. Kaurav, you work for a company that is very refreshing. We always enjoy coming here to talk to you because you guys are so far ahead of what everybody else is doing. And we love the fact that you engage with industry and want to make a difference. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me at the time. Thank you, Ravan. Always a pleasure. And uh, I love enjoying and I actually enjoyed talking to you. And, uh, you know, and I must say that you guys really pose some tough questions. It makes you it makes you think a bit more. Thank you. Thanks very much. I'm your host for this episode, Ravin Mirchandani. But I would not be here without the amazing, energizing India podcast team. Onkar, our podcast director and the man who makes it all happen in the end, much like a big, fat, grand Indian wedding, bringing together the research data and attention to details, all in the timelines to get the next episode out on time. Sri Vikram, our podcast co-host and head of research, and Sunil, who along with me is executive producer of our program. The Energizing India podcast is an Ador Digatron production, giving a voice to the EV industry in India. If you enjoyed listening to us today, make sure to follow us on whatever platform you are listening on, whether it's Spotify, Apple iTunes, or our own portal, energizingindia.tv. Thank you very much, and see you.